0: Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor in chief of the five-minute clinical consult series. Be sure to visit primedcom podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Carol age 72 and Maurice age 76 are here today for Maurice's follow-up. Maurice was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment a year ago but exhibited symptoms even earlier. Today Carol is asking what lies ahead for both her and Maury. She is particularly concerned about their intimacy. Maury seems less affectionate and that worries her. They have always enjoyed a healthy sex life and she is fearful for their future. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And here today, joining me to discuss um, intimacy issues in patients with cognitive impairment is Dr. Jill Terrian, associate professor and director of the Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Thanks for coming today, Jill.
1: Thank you, Frank, for having me.
0: Wow, so Carol and Maury are becoming a more common problem than we we probably were used to in the past. Um, How should primary care providers begin this discussion around intimacy, especially with older patients?
1: I think it's a topic that is, um, sometimes it's not easy to bring up, and in our case here, we have Carol asking. So it's right out there on the table, um, which is great. But I think that um, intimacy, sexuality, you know, is all part of um, our patients, you know, life. So it's something we really need to address when we think about our patients but also think about um, how they're aging in place and especially with cognitive changes um, and how that affects their caregivers, whether their caregiver is their, you know, their partner or whether their caregiver is you know, uh, a friend. You know, It's talking about anticipatory guidance in, in their relationship and what they see in their, in their future.
0: How about asking them about it? Um, it, it? We were fortunate here that Carol brought it up, but how might you raise this question with a patient or a patient and their significant other?
1: It comes under the umbrella of um, holistic care of the patient. And how their life may be changing, especially if you're watching their cognition change, um, and kind of saying, "How are things going for you? How is your relationship?" So it's all talking about um, when we say the word sexuality. I think you know sometimes we immediately think of intercourse, and it's not just intercourse. It's closeness. It's intimacy. It's hand holding. It's touching. It's kissing. It's it's not you know intercourse just alone. So I think that it encompasses a whole wide range of how people be with each other and care for each other. And we do know that as dementia progresses, there are changes in that person.
0: Well, so that raises the next question. Um, what does the literature tell us about how intimacy changes in this population?
1: So yes, this is interesting. So this, this episode is focusing on sexuality and home-dwelling older adults with cognitive changes. And you will see that um, the study by Lindau was really the first um, United, States, United States look at a nationally representative sample. Uh, and what they found is that sexuality is really common in adults ages um, 65 to 91 living at home with cognitive changes that over 50% of them are sexually active. And then even in the the older old, when they get into the 80s and 90s, 30 to 40% of them are sexually active as well.
0: So um, that's both encouraging, but also um, worrisome because it does require you to investigate things with the patient and their family and make sure that there's no um, no no uh, danger of people feeling obligated to do things or being forced to do things.
1: Absolutely, that was addressed um, in this study uh, because there is there's a fine line sometimes, and when we talk about dementia, you know, it is a it's not like we can say, okay, a year from now you're going to be your relationship will be like X because mm-hmm. Mari is going to change. You don't know that. Yeah. It is not on this, you know, continuum where we can predict. So what can we do as primary care providers is provide this anticipatory guidance and have this open communication. And because Carol has brought this up today, it's really important that next time they come in, you know, how is it going, things going okay, are there resources that we can offer to the, to the patient and their, and their partner to, to assist
0: I, I think it's it's it, it's a very high-priority piece. Quality of life is what you're trying to preserve, especially as patients with cognitive decline uh, worsen. And so uh, being open to the discussion, raising it, and at follow-up, checking in on it makes, makes great sense. Any other thoughts about what we could be doing to help, in particular, Carol in this exchange? Is there anything we can do to reassure her or to at least... Um, make her feel grounded
1: well yes I think that you know again I keep focusing kind of on open communication but it's so important and I would thank Carol for bringing up the topic because it's not an easy topic they found that less than 20 percent of patients will actually ask their healthcare provider about you know sexuality and you know any changes that they're experiencing so I think that the advice we can say is you know she needs to make sure that she stays in touch socially with others and maybe there's something that we can provide to Mari where he can have some she can have some respite depending on what the situation is mm-hmm. um, but i think that it's important that she has good socialization with Mari and possibly with others and so i think that's one thing resources um, there was actually therapeutic touch was mentioned as a possible um, non-pharmacologic intervention um, in patients that you know feel that they are not having enough, um, you know, enough sexual gratification,
0: for the patient or the for the significant other, for the patient. Wow, interesting. Very. Because you
1: touched on the part of, you know, how are things going? Is it you know are people being forced to have you know um, intimacy? And that's that's a different that's a different conversation. Sure. But certainly a question that needs to be asked. How are things going? Right and yep. you're going to get the answers.
0: I think that's great. I mean, it's startling to see that so few patients uh, uh, in this situation have those discussions with their healthcare provider. So it sounds like the takeaway points here are we really need to be open, ask those questions, don't wait for the patient to bring it up, offer suggestions, and as always, offer really close follow-up because, again, the quality of life is really what we're trying to preserve, not, not really much more.
1: Right, right.
0: Jill, thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Frank.
0: Practice pointer. In your patients with cognitive decline and their families, inquire of their uh, intimacy and closeness issues and provide good follow-up. Join us next time when we talk about the significant impact of treating periodontal disease and type 2 diabetes. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.